With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome to the Eric Erickson Show podcast. Hour three. Hello, my people. Welcome. It's Eric Erickson here. I'm about an hour and 10 minutes from golf. I intend to go hit golf balls today. It's like it's the last day I can play golf before fallback. And fallback is my wife's favorite holiday. Well, she treats it as a holiday. She gets an extra hour of sleep. And my my wife actually has this idea. She thinks that we should do fallback. If we're going to keep doing fallback and spring forward, we should do fallback on Monday mornings. And we should do spring forward on Friday afternoons. So we get an extra hour of sleep on Monday and we get off an hour early from work on on Fridays. I Yes, dear. <laughs> okay. We got other stuff to but hang on. But before I before I get to anything else though, I, I gotta I gotta share this with you guys. So I was asked to speak at chapel at my kids' school this morning. I got to deliver the sermon. And I focused on uh, Jude verse 5, that you once knew uh, Jesus who led a people out of the land of Egypt and pointed out this is is the man's brother who didn't like him in his lifetime, saying essentially that that my brother, Jesus, was actually God. Um, And it's a profound profound line when you know the history that that Jesus' brothers didn't like him. But anyway, so I talked about that, and then I was asked to go speak to my son's Bible class. So I, y'all, I, look, I, I'm, I'm not going to name drop. I, I, I'm not, I don't mean this to be bragging. It, it's, it's the, the moral of the story is how your kids humble you. So I met presidents. I met prime ministers. I, I, I know billionaires. Um, I, I've met a lot of very interesting, famous people. I'm, I'm friends with some very interesting, famous people. Uh, some of whom I, I, I guard closely our friendships and very few people know we know each other just because it would probably put them, particularly those actors and actresses in Hollywood I know, would put them in a in a bad position that they're friends with a guy like me when they're such good progressives. And I tend to get along with that. I don't care what your politics are. I tend to get along with people and I've gotten to be friends with people. And, and some of the people that I know that I like the most are I disagree with everything political, so we don't talk about politics. We talk about cooking and life and kids and stuff like that. So I got all these I got all these connections. And I'm in my kid's class. And and the kid, I'm at the end of the in the spiel and the whole spiel is providence. God's got a plan for you. I mean, I, I was going to be a lawyer, I wound up a radio show host, not by my own design, blah 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 blah. And I look at my kid and I say, "Gunner, is there anything else you want me to tell him?" He says, "Yes. Tell him about the mannequin." And I nearly said a bad word in class. Are you beep me? I I really like I'm in a class with his peers and my son wants me to tell them about the mannequin. One of the most embarrassing stories of my life. 
I can hear my father listening to me right now in Louisiana laughing that my kid in this Bible class, of all the things that I could tell the kids about meeting the owner of the of the Cubs or meeting the president or you, you name it, uh, tell them about the man. So when I was five years old, that's when we moved overseas. And we had to go from our home in rural Louisiana to New Orleans and fly from New Orleans to Houston, Texas. And from Houston, Texas, we flew to Amsterdam. And from Amsterdam, we flew to Dubai. We stayed at, I think it was a Holiday Inn. Holiday, you know, Holiday Inns have restaurants. Holiday Inn Expresses do not. And we ate at the restaurant at the hotel. And the most beautiful woman I'd ever seen in my life was playing the piano. They had a grand piano in the restaurant. And all her fingers danced across the keyboard as she played melodious tunes on the keyboard. I was enthralled as a five-year-old, this beautiful woman who could play the piano that well. And I had my my head on my hand, my elbow on the table, and it was in my ketchup, and I didn't know it. I mean, I was just entranced by this woman. And so my elbow is in the ketchup, my head on my fist, and I am watching this beautiful woman play the piano as a five-year-old. It was a mannequin, robotic, animatronic mannequin. I didn't know I was five years old. And of all the stories, of all of the stories that I could have shared with his class, that is the story my kid decided he wanted me to share. So I told the whole class he was like in elementary school before he learned to wipe his butt. Ah, payback. He should have thought of this. <laughs> it's not that he didn't learn. It's that he didn't want to. And because he's, he's his mama's boy, she, she, she let him be precious for a little longer than she should have. I got him back. He should have known. You, you try to embarrass me. Oh, I'm dad. I've got the picture of you wearing high heels when you're four years old. I, I, I got pictures on you. <laughs> All right. Now that I've shared what my son did to me, I'm going to go beat him on the golf course in a little while. We got to get into other stuff. Uh, this is Lindsey Graham on the floor of the United States Senate last night. Uh, let me respond to my colleague respectfully. We have courts. If you think they've done something illegal, go to court. That's how you handle these things. The Pentagon has issued a legal opinion I disagree with, saying this doesn't violate the Hyde Amendment. I disagree with it. Here's what's gonna happen. You've just denied this lady a promotion. You did that. All of us are ready to promote her because she deserves to be promoted. She had nothing to do with this policy. Let me say it again. Everybody in this body could find an issue with any administration they don't agree with. And what we're going to do is open up Pandora's box. Today is abortion policy. If we take back the White House, we'll go back to the Mexico City policy, limiting dollars to be given to overseas entities that are engaged in the abortion business. Some pro-choice people don't like that. What would happen if they put a hold on all the officers because they don't agree with the Republican administration? There's a reason this, is, this has not been done this way for a couple hundred years. No matter where you believe it or not, Senator Turbeville, this is doing great damage to our military. I don't say that lightly. I've been trying to work with you for nine months. 
Okay. This is funny to me. Lindsey Graham, the man who wanted to do a national 15-week abortion ban and try to get the Democrats on record about abortion and tried to nationalize the issue for the GOP, which some people blame for costing them the election, is now going after Senator Tupperville for the holds of the military. Before I get into anything else, I should note, Lindsey Graham does have a point. This has never been done over policy disagreements before. When the Republicans take back the White House, they will re-implement the Mexico City Protocol, which does prevent the spending of U.S. dollars abroad to fund abortion. It was implemented first by Ronald Reagan. Every Republican since has implemented it by executive order. And pro-choice senators could do what Tuberville is doing and say, well, we're not going to uh, advance anyone at the State Department until the policy is reversed. They could do that. But I would tell Lindsey Graham, if frogs had wings, they wouldn't bump their butts when they hopped. It doesn't matter. It's the right thing to do, what Senator Turberville is doing. If the left wants to shut down foreign policy over abortion, I mean, let them. Both sides escalate these days. At some point, the left was going to do this. I mean, the left wants to get rid of the filibuster when they're in power to advance abortion rights. What's remarkable was the pile-on by Republicans against Senator Tuberville last night. Y'all, I'm old enough to remember last month when Chuck Schumer put these people to votes on the floor of the Senate and they passed. If it's so desperate that they be promoted, vote on them. Lindsey Graham wants unanimous consent. Now, here's the problem. There, there's a side problem to what Senator Tuberville is doing. So Senator Tuberville will not allow the advancement or promotion of any member of the military by unanimous consent in the Senate because Joe Biden has decided to fund abortions through a change in Pentagon policy that was never approved by Congress. Every individual could be promoted by a vote of the Senate, but Chuck Schumer would rather politicize this then put each of them to a vote. And because he won't put them to a vote, it relies on unanimous consent, and Tuberville is objecting. They could be put to a vote. I'm old enough to remember last month they did this. What's remarkable is these Republican senators who claim to be pro-life are piling on Senator Tuberville instead of piling on Senator Schumer. Here's the dirty little secret. Dirty little secret is that some of the people that the Democrats want to advance by unanimous consent are actually unfit. But if they're by unanimous consent, then they get passed and no Republicans had to vote for or against them. Some of the Republicans don't want to have to take a stand on some of these people. But the reality is they could be advanced with a vote in the Senate. And Chuck Schumer doesn't want to advance them with a vote. He just wants unanimous consent, and Tupperville's not giving it to him. And Chuck Schumer has shown his flexibility in putting up votes, but he rather would like the issue. And these Republican senators are aiding and abetting the Democrats. These Republican senators are aiding and abetting uh, Chuck Schumer. And I understand. I mean, look, I, I like Joni Ernst a lot. I do. 
but she could be going after Chuck Schumer for not putting these people up to a vote instead of relying on unanimous consent. He could do it. Piling on Senator Tuberville doesn't change that. Yeah, Lindsey Graham is absolutely right. The Democrats could do this when a Republican implements the Mexico City Protocol, but the Democrats, they're going to do whatever they want to do. We don't control the Democrats. What we control is the fight for the right and the fight for life, and Senator Tuberville is on the right side of that fight. Lindsey Graham is not. Y'all, if we're in such a crisis over these lack of promotions, by the way, all of these people are acting. They're in the positions in acting position. They just want final confirmation. By being in the acting position, they're already there. No one's national security is being jeopardized in this situation. They're already on the job. But y'all, Chuck Schumer could put him for a vote. He's just chosen not to put him for a vote. You know what else Chuck Schumer hasn't done? Chuck Schumer has done nothing to Senator Bob Menendez. He just doesn't seem to care about our national security. Why would you allow Bob Menendez to continue going to classified briefings when he's been charged with aiding and abetting Egyptians against the national security of the United States. Chuck Schumer won't stop that, and he won't start voting on members of the military's advancement because he would rather politicize the issue. And Lindsey Graham and these other Republicans should not be helping Chuck Schumer. They could be attacking Chuck Schumer, saying, put him to a vote, put him to a vote. And they haven't done that. They haven't done that, which suggests they're politicizing it as well. All Senator Tuberville is doing is demanding Joe Biden walk back something that I don't even know Joe Biden has the authority constitutionally to do, but he did it anyway. Senator Tuberville is standing for life, and he's on the right side on this issue. These other Republicans, if they want these people advanced, go after Chuck Schumer for not putting them to a vote. They just don't want to do that, and that's remarkable to me. They're not on the right side on this, even if they think they are. So... I'm uh, I'm ready to go back to seminary. I don't know that my team is ready for me to do this, but I'm just I'm I'm looking now that my schedule is settled and I'm not doing six hours of radio a day anymore. I could totally make it work to do like a six to nine p.m. class once a week. I could totally do that. I think I, I'm. I need to consider this. All right, we got to move on to other stuff. I I really want to do that. Okay, we. Uh, sorry, sorry. I'm just. I'm. I'm. I'm more talking to myself than anything. Uh, what is this? Uh, oh nope, I can't look at that. Okay, Democrats. Some Democrats have taken to um, attacking Rashida Tlaib, which is interesting. A Democratic group is releasing a six-figure ad buy in the Detroit media market where Rashida Tlaib is a member of Congress, uh, highlighting her response to the Hamas terror attacks. I don't know that that helps them. Here's the problem. Uh, There's a group, the um, Muslim Democrats of America. The Muslim Democrats of America are out with a statement a short time ago saying that they will campaign against any Democrat that does not support a ceasefire in the Middle East. You do understand a ceasefire is to help Hamas rearm. There's no other reason for a ceasefire. 
The Israeli response, the accurate response, is that they had a ceasefire with Hamas, and Hamas broke the ceasefire when they killed 1,400 Israelis. That's true. They had a ceasefire with Hamas. They had agreed to a ceasefire several years ago during, what was it, the second or the third or the 25th intifada, and Hamas agreed to the ceasefire, and Hamas broke the ceasefire. There should be no ceasefire now. Those people calling for a ceasefire are calling for Hamas to be rearmed and to uh, extend the war. You do a ceasefire, you drag out the war. I I just um it's it's bizarre to me one to see the the anti-semitism that's just cropping up on campuses all of a sudden and also to see all these people who uh, they're they're not you can't be ignorant at this point. You got to be on the side of evil and and to see the the, the pickle the democrats find themselves in. I want to spend a little more time on this when we get back because uh, the, there's more data out there, like the, this polling that shows Biden winning barely, but he's in trouble around the country because so many Democrats are alienated by him, and it doesn't help that he's out there championing Bidenomics still when nobody feels good. It's just bizarre. First, I got to tell you about Patriot Mobile, who they're they're helping the conservative cause around the country. They're strongly for Israel. They're strongly for uh, Christian conservatives. All you have to do is move your cell phone service to them. They're Christian conservatives. You move your cell phone service to them. You get guaranteed great service using the same cell towers you're probably already using. PatriotMobile.com slash Eric. That's where you go. PatriotMobile.com slash Eric. You can take your existing phone number to them. You can get a brand new phone number from them if you want. You can also call them. You don't have to do it online. You can call them at 972-PATRIOT and tell them I sent you. If you do that, you get uh, great service. You get free activation with my name. When you tell them I sent you, you get great discounts. If you're a veteran, first responder, and NRA member, they got a lot of great discounts for you. They can save you some money. They're good people, and they fund the conservative movement. As their profits grow, their giving grows. Their profits grow by you moving your business to them. It's a great way for you to support the conservative movement. PatriotMobile.com slash Eric. PatriotMobile.com slash E-R-I-C-K. You can put in your home address, zoom in, see how good the 5G that it a voice is right there at your house, or call them 972-PATRIOT, tell them I sent you, get free activation with my name. Wait a second, how is this possible? The Senate is voting to confirm Christopher Mahoney as an assistant commandant of the Marine Corps. I was told this was impossible because of what Tommy Tuberville's doing. You mean they lied? Of course they did. The Senate's always been able to put it. Remember, you don't, there's no filibuster against nominations anymore, so of course they were going to be able to do it. Of course. Now, before I move on to anything else, I want to take a phone call from Trish. The phone number for the rest of you, 404. No, wait, wrong number. <laughs> Almost gave you my cell phone. Uh, 877-973-7425. Trish, welcome to the Eric Erickson Show. How are you? I'm well. Thank you very much, Eric. Um, I love what you do. I love listening to your show. Thank um, you. I, I do have a question. Um, I'm almost 60 years old, so I remember back when we had the Iranian crisis, you know, the Iranian hostages, you know, um, back in the Jimmy Carter, Ronald Reagan era. Um, Turkey was a friend of ours and did a lot to help us out. So I'm kind of wondering, and I'm asking you because you're smart and you know this region, I want to know where does Turkey stand in all of this that's going on with Israel and Gaza and all of this with Iran, where are they at? Uh, Erdogan, the the president of Turkey, is threatening to declare war on Israel. Oh, 
Yeah. Oh, so let, let me explain wow. this. This is a good question. So the Turks, um, so in, during the Cold War, Turkey bordered the Soviet Union. At the time, Armenia uh, was a Soviet republic, and Turkey joined NATO. Uh, Turkey at the time was an Islamic republic, but it was very secular. There had been a coup uh, under Kamal Ataturk, uh, and he pushed a secular uh, Muslim nation. Uh, there would be no, there would be no king. There would be uh, freedom of religion, and right, right. Uh, it, it stuck for a very long time with the military. And, and there were leaders in Turkey who tried to shift towards a more sectarian religious state. And the Turkish military would rise up, have a coup, replace the leader with someone who promised secularism. Well. Erdogan, uh, the current president who's been there for quite some time, has moved the country more and more towards uh, a fundamentalist Islamic republic, has gotten rid of a lot of religious freedoms there. The military launched a coup against him, and they were unsuccessful because the secular leadership in Turkey had run the economy into the dirt, and he revived it, and so the people stood with him. So he's got a lot of clout as a result, and so he's moved ever more towards uh, being less of a friend to the West. And at the same time, uh, Vladimir Putin has been wooing him. And he's been wooing him this way. Uh, the Armenians border Turkey, and the Turks and Armenians are not friends. And now that Armenia is free of the grip of the Soviet Union, uh, the Soviets have been more sympathetic to Azerbaijan, which is an Islamic area. And because of that, Erdogan and the, the Russians have found common ground against Armenia, and they found common ground against the terrorists in Syria. And so the, the, the Putin has been very disruptive in our NATO relationship with Erdogan and Turkey. And now the Turks are on the verge of saying they may declare war on Israel. It's, it's uh, Honestly, the, Vladimir Putin played his hand masterfully with the Turks, who like five, ten years ago hated the Russians and – uh, Putin did a full court diplomatic press with them to try to woo them, and it's been working. Wow, yeah, that's that's amazing because, like I said, I remember when they used to be a friend of ours. Yeah, and they technically, on paper, still are, but they've been less and less friendly. And by the way, you should know that that the Turkish people—they're wonderful people. My gosh, it's a beautiful country of wonderful people of amazing culture, uh, and Erdogan is just becoming more and more of a dictator, and it's sad to see. So, But that, that's where is. that I issue is right now. My gosh, I, I love love the Turks. They're wonderful people and a beautiful country. But, yeah, that's – I mean, and, and again, uh, Trish, i got to say that uh, Putin himself – and thanks for the phone call – Putin himself has done a masterful job of, of – uh, remember it was, it was, what, five, six years ago that the Turks shot down a Russian fighter jet? And they, they've mended ways, and, and Turkey is trying to ally itself with a greater Islamic um, area of the Middle East. By the way, uh, I, I need to play this this clip. This is from uh, Speaker Johnson on uh, his CBO score. He, uh, wants, he wants to cut the IRS, and the Congressional Budget Office claims it will increase the deficit. Be careful, everybody. Be careful. Were you surprised by the CBO score, sir? Not surprised at all. Only in Washington, when you cut spending, do they call it a Are you alarmed an increase by the CBO in the score? So here's what's going on here. The the CBO, which claims to be nonpartisan, and it never really has been, um, it's always lean left, believes that if you cut the budget of the IRS, the funding that Joe Biden gave them, 
that that will reduce the number of audits, so it will reduce the amount of income that comes into Washington, never mind that uh, the poor are five times more likely to be audited than the wealthy by the IRS. That's that's what's going on here. Um, he also is trying to find uh, appropriations for Ukraine. So Mike Johnson, the Speaker, supports funding Ukraine, but he understands it's difficult to get through the House, and he's got a structure and a way to make it happen. Uh, this is what he said. Well, with our appropriations bills for Ukraine funding, for example, we're going to marry that with border security. Those the two things are going to be handled together uh, because we believe it's a top priority. We can't be expected to take care of uh, other countries and other conflicts if we can't seal our own border. But the other responsibility we have is the power of the purse, but also accountability. And that's why our investigations go forward. We're holding these federal agencies accountable. They have been weaponized. They're being used against the very people they're designed to protect and serve. And and we have to seek and push and force accountability in that. And that way. And our committees have been very, very busy at that. All the committees of jurisdiction, and they'll continue. They will. Uh, and I think it'll be appropriate. One last quote from the speaker. What he just described there is completely foreseeable. It's related exactly to our border. I mean, it's an abject failure. The Biden administration, the most glaring example of its failures, uh, the failures of the whole administration of what's happening at the border. And so we've had it open for almost three years now. We've had millions and millions of people come in and also known terrorists. And so it would not be surprising to us if terrorist cells are setting up shop around the country. We have been, everyone in this room has been jumping up and down saying everything that we can to we're blue in the face secure the border that's what the american people want it's a top priority of ours but it has not been for the white house yep now as for the white house a fundamental mistake from the president folks bidenomics is just another way of saying the american dream 40 years ago trickle down economics limited the dream to those at the top but i believe every american willing to work hard should be able to get a job no matter where they live, in the heartland, in small towns, to raise their kids on a good paycheck and keep their roots where they grew up. Joe Biden has lots of problems. When he's out embracing the term Bidenomics and nobody feels good about the economy, he they never should have done that. They never should have. And now the Democrats, uh, I've been telling you for a while, they're as divided, if not more divided than the Republicans. It just rarely spills out into the open because they're more disciplined than our side. Our side is a group of individuals. It's like herding cats. The Democrats, as a group of collectivists, it's easier to herd them. But occasionally, uh, the divides spill out into the open. And this situation with Israel is showing those divides. You've got a bunch of Muslim Americans who lean Democrat who say we're either going to vote for Trump or we're not going to vote. They think they might get more favorable treatment from Trump than the Democrats. They want this ceasefire, among other things. It's just positively bizarre. Rui Tierra, uh, the the pollster and, and data strategist, has this piece, the progressive left is a paper tiger. Large segments of the progressive left disgraced themselves by indulging in demonstrations and statements that, directly or indirectly, excused Hamas's terrorist massacre. For that, they were rightly condemned across the political spectrum, including by many Democrats. But the progressive left has not given up on pushing their decolonialist perspective within the Democratic Party, demanding that Biden soften his support for Israel and calling for an immediate and unconditional ceasefire in the conflict. The policy recommendation is backed up what is essentially a threat. If Democrats don't move in the direction recommended by the progressive left, their voters, especially young voters, will fail to be energized in 2024, endangering Biden's reelection 
and Democratic electoral prospects generally. But is that really true? Leaving aside the question of whether that would be a responsible use of their power, do they even have that kind of power? I doubt it. In fact, I think the progressive left is more of a paper tiger claiming power and influence way above what they actually have. Start with the fundamental fact that the progressive or intersectional left for whom issues from ending fossil fuels to open borders to decriminalizing and decolonizing everything are inseparably linked moral commitments is actually a pretty small slice of voters. 6% in the Pew typology, 8% in the more in common typology. So we should ask whether and to what extent their commitments are reflected in the views of the voters in whose name they claim to speak. Probably the most important of these is young voters, lately lionized as Democrats' best hope, but also perhaps their downfall if not appropriately catered to. And it is true that younger voters lean more left than older voters, including in expressing more sympathy for the Palestinians and more opposition to sending weapons to Israel. But that does not mean young voters' views are therefore in sync with those of the intersectional left and likely to take their cues from activist fury at the Biden administration. I can stop here and just just give it to you straight. There are a lot of loud voices out there. The right has a lot of loud voices and squeaky wheels. The left does. And you know the saying, the squeaky wheel gets the grease. Unfortunately for the Democrats, their squeakiest wheels right now sound like early 20th century German. They want the grease of the Democratic Party. They want the attention. And the Democrats are doing it. I I mentioned the very first hour, uh, Joe Biden deciding he needed to talk about Islamophobia now. You've got uh, Jews being beat up on college campuses in this country, and Joe Biden is worried about Islamophobia. It's not good for Joe Biden. It's good for America, though, if Joe Biden loses. There's a poll out. In Minnesota, Joe Biden is having struggles in Minnesota. He's tied with Donald This is a very Democrat state at this point. Minnesota is a very Democrat state at this point. And Joe Biden is tied in the polls with Donald Trump. Even Democrats are tired of Joe Biden. The economy is not working for people. You do understand, I hope, that it doesn't matter how many times Democrats and the media lecture us that the economy is okay. If you don't feel like the economy is okay, the economy is not okay for you. And the metrics of the economy may be fine. The macroeconomic picture of this country may be fine. But if you're pinching pennies because you can't afford groceries, it doesn't feel good to you. It doesn't feel fine to you. And that's the problem that Joe Biden is having. And on top of that, you've got these fault lines of the Democratic Party. Look, I knew there's anti-Semitism on the left. You've got the Hamas caucus in Congress, the squad. But a lot of Democrats woke up stunned. They really believed at the end of the day that the Republicans were the racists. They really believed at the end of the day it was only the Republicans who hated the Jews. And it turns out they got a bunch of racist, Jew-hating Democrats on the Democratic Party side. And they're not non-white Democrats. It's a bunch of white, secular, progressive atheists on college campuses who are doing it. It's a bunch of white people tearing down the pictures of the hostages Hamas has taken. It's a bunch of white people. The tiki torch whites, they could say that was Donald Trump's base. 
It may be the Tiki Torch whites who are Donald Trump's base, but it's the EV whites who are the racists of the Democratic Party driving their electric vehicles to their pro-Hamas rallies, and the Democrats have lots of problems. The EV whites, the electric vehicle whites, they don't like the Jews, and they don't like that Biden wants to arm Israel, and they're protesting in the streets chanting Hamas propaganda, and Joe Biden's polling is collapsing from them and from blue-collar voters who are tired of his economy and tired of him and Democrats who've decided he's too old, and it is unbelievable to me. You can see the train wreck about to happen, and they won't hit the brakes on the Democratic side. It, 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 I, I just, it's, look, and, and yes, the same is true on the Republican side. It, it is true. I mean, you, you look at the polling, and literally, Donald Trump is the only one who consistently loses in the polls to Joe Biden. But even in some polls, he doesn't lose. That's why this is so remarkable for Joe Biden. His only saving grace is the GOP does nominate Donald Trump, and the economy improves. If the economy does improve, Biden would win re-election. You put someone else in on the Republican side, he probably loses. But it's just remarkable to me, both parties so dogmatically insistent on, we need the 80-year-olds. We need the 80-year-olds. Well, there's an 80-year-old in the White House who doesn't know where the heck he is unless his wife tells him who's on the verge of losing because people realize he is too enfeebled, dementia-addled, and out of touch with the American people. When he's on a stage saying Bidenomics means the American dream, no, Bidenomics is, Mr. President, the American nightmare. One of the groups reminding people of that and educating them on why it's bad is Americans for Prosperity. Around the nation, Americans for Prosperity is educating people on why Bidenomics is bad and also how to change course and fix it. You can be a part of this. Americans for Prosperity wants you on their team. They've got 4 million activists around the country. You can be one of them. What do you do? Well, they prepare special briefings for you to get you up to speed on how you can explain binomics is bad. They teach you how to go to your school board or city council or your state government and explain what can be done to push back against binomics and back against the progressive bureaucracy of the nation. They educate you. They give you great talking points. They make you the smartest person in your circle of friends. And then they send you out across America, across your community to tell your neighbors to stand for free markets and free people. They make it easy for you, intuitive for you, and they give you great knowledge and access. Americans for Prosperity. Around the country, they have 36 organized state chapters. They're active in every state. Americansforprosperity.org slash Eric is where you want to go. Americansforprosperity.org slash Eric. Commit yourself to free markets and free people with Americans for Prosperity. Hi there. Welcome. It is Eric Erickson here. The phone number, well, it's too late. You can't get the phone number at this point. There's a reason you can't get the phone number because you missed your opportunity to call today, but that's okay because I'll be back tomorrow and it'll be an open line Friday. Now, I'm a few minutes away from hitting golf balls. Before I do that, we've still got other news. In fact, you should have gotten the show notes today because the show notes really were my show prep today. I let Philip do most of the show prep while I was talking to my kids' school. You can text the word ERIC, E-R-I-C-K, to 33777. I mentioned the Minnesota problem that Joe Biden has. Uh, it was from John Ellis's uh, email that I get. It's in the quote is in Substack Day. Listen to this. Uh, Minnesota has voted Democratic in every presidential election since 1976, the longest such run in the country. And yet Biden is statistically tied with the former President Trump in a recent poll of Minnesota voters with 40 percent support to Mr. Trump's 38 percent. 
The poll found 14% saying they would back another candidate and 8% were undecided. 40 to 38 in Minnesota. And you know, uh, Robert Kennedy Jr. actually does a good job of them. Not enough to win. In fact, if anything, Robert Kennedy's voters, this is, I I told you guys this was going to happen. I mentioned it earlier. His voters pull mostly from Trump. That's right. His voters pull mostly from Trump. Uh, and that, I think, is is somewhat remarkable. Um, it's, it's going to, I think, be a, an interesting dynamic if you've got RFK really running and picking up steam because it's the vaccine stuff. It's, it's the COVID stuff that pulls from Trump. And he's he's actually a pretty progressive guy on on climate change, on abortion, on gun control, all these things. But yet he's so vocal on the on the COVID stuff, the uh, COVID vaccine skeptics and the like. A lot of them are throwing their weight to RFK. People who are tired of Biden, they don't want to vote for an old guy. And it's actually ultimately translating into hurting Donald Trump. Trump would win in a two man race against Joe Biden, but RFK pulls from him. Cornell West pulls from Joe Biden, but not significantly. And then the Democrats get more radicalized and turn up uh, with Trump as the nominee. So it's a wild dynamic out there. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, We've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.